0: Can do this thing. Check it out on Amazon. And of course, have a great day. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time. And as I mentioned in the daily financial news, I had a surprise guest at 10 a.m. And it is the one and only Chad, uh, was it uh, Coach Carson, Chad Carson, uh, author, yep. Yep.
1: Bigger Pockets, all that stuff.
0: Yeah, either way, Chad.
1: Chad or Coach is good, and thanks for having me, Michael. It's great to be here.
0: Yeah, man. Thank you for reaching or, or replying back. I, I saw your Instagram page, what you're doing there. I actually have your book. It's one of the books behind me on the shelf back there. So, um, where do you think we should start? What do you want to tell everybody about who is Chad, the real estate investor? How it all started. Talk about the book first. Where you want to go first?
1: Yeah, that'd be fine. I mean, just a little bit of background about me. I've been investing for 18 years and real estate's been my both my career and my wealth building retirement vehicle, very similar to what you, you teach and do a great job with just teaching how to build wealth and retire off of that. Yep. That was that was my plan as well. And um, I, I I got started out of college flipping houses and finding deals for other people and then eventually realized that just like any other job, that's a job and it takes yeah. time. I want, I want some uh, more passive income or I want to have, I want to have like, you know, recurring income things coming in. So the the rental property, I actually read a book. I'm not sure if you read this one as well uh, by John Shaw, building wealth one house at a time. Oh yeah. And he was just a big influence on me early on, both for the the idea of using real estate, simple, smaller properties as a means to build wealth, but also just balancing lifestyle and keeping things as simple as possible and not having to build a, a thousand unit empire in order to take over the world but just having enough enough so that you yeah. can travel and my, my wife and i have two kids we've traveled we lived abroad for 17 months wow. in ecuador that's actually where i wrote my book i, I retire early with real estate was while i was in ecuador and nice. enjoying that so that's that's a little bit about me i've the real estate side and enjoyed the lifestyle and giving back and contributing to my community and that's a lot of what i'm
0: involved in and that's where we're probably going to spend most of our time because we both have a passion for that but i'd be remiss if we didn't talk about because again we sort of track the same dirt right i started 02, you start in 03, which means we both experienced a crazy run-up that we wow. a didn't know was happening right we were yeah. in it that's we're right. like this is fun i mean i remember thinking <laughs> wow everything goes up all the time um, Then you know, I went to a meetup from a gentleman named Bruce Norris. I've been to a John Staub event as well. I I paid to go see him as well. Five or six years ago It was very well done. Uh, But Bruce Norris said basically, California crash is coming. Mm -hmm. Uh, Housing affordability was a topic I'd never heard of. He introduced it. So I got out. I sold all I did a 1031 exchange out of all my houses into apartments. But I'm curious. I don't you're on the you're on the East Coast, right? Yeah, I'm in the southeast of so South southeast. Carolina,
1: and particularly in a college town in Clemson, South Carolina.
0: So w- what happened 06, 07, 08? Maybe it was flat. I mean, I have no idea what happened in your neck of the woods. What, what did it happen kind of pre-run up? Was there a top? Did it
1: crash? What was going on? Yeah. So we all had ups and downs. I think it was interesting though. South Carolina in a lot of secondary markets, are always there's an echo, I think, and it's mm. an echo echoes in different ways. But you know, we would read the news about California and say, Oh, that's interesting, and then a year <laughs> later, that same tsunami. <laughs> the US, you know, it's oh, like, it's <laughs> here now. A, yeah, and the other thing is like California, New York, some of the markets that have there's tons and tons of capital that comes into that in them become much more uh, unaffordable. They really yeah. have the higher run ups and sometimes the higher rundowns. Yeah. Whereas I, I think we, we did have a softening. We did have uh, decreases, you know, particularly if you were in the worst markets or condos. You know, you, mm. you, had, you had some really big dips, but most of my stuff, <laughs> it, it dipped. Even the rent, we had to decrease, you know, five, 10 mm. percent during the during. So 2007, eight, nine. And, but even some of the mistakes we made, my business partner and I were by our own making. We just okay. overextended ourselves a little bit. We bought okay. too much. Um, but the, the positive was we saved a lot of cash. We lived frugally. And so we, we were able to eat on some reserves for a year or two while we kind of ate through our mistakes or went through our mistakes. And yeah. then on the other, other side of that, there's a lot of opportunities, obviously. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. 2010 was a wonderful year. Yeah. Talking about peaks yeah. and valleys. Yeah. California is, you know, the classic high peaks, high valleys. Um, you know, my market went down 75% peak to trough, right? Mm. Fresno, California, which means we got out, we didn't get out at the top, right? The I sold a house at 264 that I talk about all the time. It actually runs all the way to 300. Wow. So I missed 10 or 12% of that, but then that same house crashes to 75 grand. So, uh, I didn't experience any of that because I was sitting in an apartment building instead. So right. that was pretty cool. Now, yeah. what were you doing in that time? Were you still flipping or had you started buy and hold? Or what were you and your business partner doing kind of at the peak of the market? Yes. So, so it shows you how
1: brilliant I was and we are. In 2007, we bought, we had 33 closings in 2007. So that's okay. right, right as the storm clouds are coming. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Here we go. Come on, let's just keep on buying. Oh, what's out there, honey? Yeah, it looks yeah. dark. Yeah. I, mean, I love Bruce Norris. I wish I would have listened to more of Bruce Norris in 2007. Yeah. Um, but it, what what we did was we were flipping a lot of houses, so we, okay. we were in the foreclosure market, pre foreclosure, mm. short sales. We were got really good at that, so we would buy deals really low, resell them. Um, but then we also started negotiating and buying a lot of uh, rental properties that year. So mm. out of those thirty three closings, I would say half of them were flips and wholesales. Okay. The other half were buy and hold. Some of those were multi unit properties, and we had by the end of that year we had about sixty rental units. Okay. And I'd say about you know. 10 of those were we'll probably should have ever bought. The rest mm. of them were pretty good. Yeah. Um, and so, um, and, and the other thing we did a lot of was creative financing. So we used seller financing, private money, uh, self-directed retirement accounts. I, I had, didn't have a full-time job. So going out of the bank and getting like the traditional mortgages just wasn't right. my game. So right. we, we did a lot of that. And that was kind of a blessing in disguise because- we essentially had partners, you know, these yep. individuals, they, they didn't want to go in the stock market at that time. They were, uh, they actually loaned us more money during the mm-hmm. downturn. So we were able to have those relationships with money. And yeah. that was a big, big aha moment that we could actually take advantage of the kind of counter cyclical nature of the market yeah. using the money that when banks were pulling money back and taking it away from people, we were still investing and buying stuff later on.
0: Yeah, that was, that was a big game changer for me. And I, I again, a lot of my investing career was just, just taking one step forward, right? I never professed to know what was coming. I just knew I couldn't yeah. buy that ninth house. Right. Bruce Nord says crash. I validated my market. I'm like, I think he's smarter than me. Yeah. Sell, yeah. buy apartments. We go from eight to eighty. It's all good. Um, but then, yeah, you're right. We start buying on the way down because again, you know, it goes from three hundred to seventy five. But you know, that was four, three and a half, four years in the making. People, people right. pretend like it's the stock market. These people calling for huge crashes. Yeah, uh, yeah three hundred to seventy five is ugly, but it's not a minute. It's not a week. It's not a month. It's not even a year. It was four years in the making. Did did you kind of see the same thing?
1: Yeah, for sure. It was just a, it was just a big, big trough and it it was on the way down. And then we also, you know, just trying to think 2008 and nine, we, we were, we were experimenting with things. And that's, I think I love what you said. I'm not brilliant enough to figure things out and, and, and time things well, but you can, there's always, you push against the market. Like I was always Mm -hmm. making offers. I was always testing things. I was always renting and if you get good at looking at your metrics and understanding, like, OK, this house is not running for a thousand bucks anymore. I'm getting zero applications. Yeah, something's wrong. You know, something's wrong, yeah. Here. Yeah, something's going on. I need to lower my rent some. And so you lower your rent. Yeah. Um, that's that's one example. But also with making offers, you know, the, the, to me, the gravity, the physics of real estate investing is always is income. Mm-hmm. And I know, I know different markets have different, you know, levels at which the price-to-income uh, ratios work. But we just we we use that as a guide. And yeah. for me, for me, even today, I, I think about it as if you can withstand the storm by being able to button up the hatches and live off your income or use your income to pay the debt. You have a good mm-hmm. margin between that. Yeah. That's it's, it's it's you can hold out. You can yeah. you can go through the storm. And so that's the way we were thinking about it. Then we. The mistakes we made were having some properties where we had to feed too much cash flow, or Mm -hmm. we had, you know, we underestimated repairs by 10 or 20 grand. And that's what ate into our reserves. So Mm -hmm. we learned from those mistakes, but we got better and better on each purchase. And then we were able to withstand and still today have, you know, some of the properties we bought then and we've paid them down and are doing much better.
0: Yeah, I call them alligators, right? Anytime I got to right. feed a property, especially like right. I did a cash out refi on one of my properties total. I didn't do the math. I mean, I'm like, I'm like a numbers guy. I'm like, I didn't do the math. Yeah. My, my payment after the refi was 1200 bucks or 1214. I think it was and my rent was $1, 1095. Even if there was no expenses, right. <laughs> I was, loose. how dumb was I? But yeah, so I did that once. I call it alligators. Don't do that very yeah, bad we've all, we've all
1: been there i mean you know yeah. it's i think if, we, if anybody tells you they've been perfect on all their deals please run run <laughs> yeah. you know like I mean, you've I, done zero deals yeah. i guess <laughs> yeah I mean, we, we all kind of we, we have our moments we have yeah. but that's that's the i mean that's again one rental at a time i, lo- I yeah. love that philosophy because if you did do one rental at a time and you make a mistake that's a lot different than doing 100 rentals oh at a time. yeah you a, then you made a mistake on 100 in a row and you're in trouble
0: oh yeah 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 you could you could sort of limp through with one yeah if you had 100 Yeah. That's, that's an uncomfortable conversation. Yeah. So the other thing I know uh, kind of in your story is, I don't know when, I don't know when it came, but I'm going to, I'm going to say this. And if I'm wrong, correct me, but it feels like to me, kind of researching you, you went through this transition, right? Where one point you were chasing money. And then at Mm -hmm. some point you realized, you know what, when, you know, kind of John stop, right? It's money. There's enough. Let's kind of
1: transition priorities. Maybe is the right answer. Is that a fair thing to say? Yeah, it was, and it's right about. The, it's the same story as the economic cycle. 2007, and I give credit to my business partner. He was probably again the first one to like realize it. It was we bought so many properties, and I'm thinking, well, maybe we need to grow ourselves ways out. Of yeah, grow market. out of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's, he's like, no, no, no. Like, let's let's slow this thing down. And we actually did this exercise, and I I probably brought the exercise up, but it was more of like a, what would you do with your time in the middle of the day? You know, if if you had unlimited money, it's mm-hmm. like one of those great just journaling exercises. Yeah. And I, I wrote down my things, he wrote down his things. I was, I got married that year, my wife wrote down, and like three quarters of the things that I wrote down required little or no money. It, yeah. was, it was just like, I wanna go play basketball in the middle of the day, I wanna go hiking in the woods. My wife and I love to travel, she teaches Spanish. We nice. wanted to go travel, which is a, you know, yes, it costs money, but when you do slow travel where you go for three to six months you're living in long-term hotels and you're living in ah. rental apartments and it just reduces your daily expenses dramatically. Mm-hmm. And so like money, yes, is, a, is one currency, but the other currencies of having free time and flexibility, mm-hmm. when I actually looked at the things I really wanted in life, I, it, it did not require this huge empire of buying hundreds of thousands of units. It required enough. And, right. and, that, and that, was a, that was a big aha moment. It was kind of a switch to where this business is here to serve you and it's here to- right allow you to do more things in life. It's not this monster, this Frankenstein that kind of takes over so many people's lives and, and becomes the all-encompassing main thing.
0: That is, I'm glad we're going here because I see that a lot, right? Social media, entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. all of this. Too many people are letting that thing become the all-consuming oh thing it's in it uh, and it ultimately becomes their ego and their self-worth and all of these things right the whatever the flex is the unit count the this the that when if you really got them in a a room and they got quiet they're trying to do it for something whether it's travel or family time or something and just go figure out what enough is right i i use it i have an analogy chad just see if this makes sense to you i busted my ass during my day job I was climbing a mountain, which ultimately became financial freedom. The mountain is very tall. I found my Vista. I got my, num- my monthly nut covered. I got a little bit more yeah. and I'm done, right? I'm on the Vista. I'm looking out. Could I go higher? Sure. Do I have any interest currently? No chance. Right. Could it change? Sure. I mean, priorities change. But right now, I'm cool on my Vista. And what I'm doing is turning around and trying to help people get up the path that I did. Because the path, my path was dirty and full of glass and Mm -hmm. just lots of stuff to trip you up so that's that's kind of the analogy i play with does that work
1: i love it yeah i think i think i would if i can borrow that analogy i I will because i think that's that's exactly exactly where i am as well and and i I always compared it to i could go out there and buy you know another thousand or ten thousand units because i got good at buying property yeah sure you did too i could i could raise capital and syndicate Those, those are cool like there's nothing wrong with those tools but I would be making, you know, maybe a hundred rich people, even richer. Right. Whereas if you and I are sitting here chatting, we are talking to people who are going to change their lives by buying five or 10 rental properties. And they're going to, and that's amazing to me. Let's let's get a a thousand or 10,000 of those people instead of hundred rich people.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's why I don't syndicate, I don't do any of those things, right? I have a I you know this, right? There was a time, I think it was 2010, 11, where banks only would let you take four loans. Remember that time? Yeah, exactly. So I actually talk about you know what, let's just get to four. It doesn't play now because now banks go to 10. Right. But I've always stuck with four. Why? Because there's a couple of things. And sorry, my dog, I have two little puppies. So no
1: (laughs) worries. They're
0: making noise. So I picked up the one that was closest. Um, but anyways, I talk about four because I go to meetups and you know, you talk about having hundreds of units and they applaud you and they clap for you, but I go, I go out in the hallway after. And I can't tell you, Chad, how many times people have said good for them, but we can't do it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I just wasted an hour of my time because I don't need, I don't need the applause, right? That's not my cup. I'm trying to get half the room to take positive action. So that's why I talk about get to four and four will change your life. If yeah. you get to four,
1: then you go to 10, but you you just get to four. That's all it yeah. is. That many. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's always more if you want to do it, right? Yeah. yeah get get to get to that. And, and I the thing I'm trying to validate, and I think you're doing the same thing is that it's, it's once you get to this number, four, four, ten, whatever that number whatever is, it is. Like, that can that can cover 90% of people's just basics, you know, your whatever yeah. you need. And beyond then, it's it's up to you. Like it's, it's up to your But like. Life changes when you have those basics covered. Yeah. Like for me for me, it was travel and my, my wife and I left for 17 months with our kids and lived abroad. That, that's and like awesome. I, I, I personally needed that because I, I am the type A, like I was I was go, go, go. I got in the habit, and I think a lot of us do of just yeah. going and climbing. And I really needed to detach from that like cycle of grow, 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 grow. And for me, it's going to Latin America. Like I love like so many countries in Latin America who kind of value family time and dressing and try and enjoying life a lot. And uh, music and so th- those kind of things were a little bit infused into me to say you know what this is there, there's some balance here of, of right. enjoyment of life of you know growing but then also you know giving back and kind of bring yeah. this thing back full circle so I think it's a, it all kind of fits together
0: so I have a crazy question just because I see it over your right shoulder did you actually
1: play for the Crimson Tigers or is it just just a favorite yeah i was i was there and some of the clemson fans might get upset about the crimson is like the crimson tide is alabama oh i'm sorry yeah yeah my bad it's not a big deal but um Yeah, I played middle linebacker. Oh, for oh Clemson plus. Tigers! I'm sorry. Clemson. Clemson. Ah, Tigers. it's uh, yeah, it's it's all good. Like actually, I, Alabama Alabama fans might be upset that we had even met. <laughs> Clemson in the same category as them, but although we are the only team that's beat them in the last, or other than whoever beat them a couple weeks ago. But, yeah, anyway. I, was, I, I messed uh, it up. So you played middle uh, linebacker. Yeah, I was a middle linebacker there, and that so you got to, to hit school. people. I, I was just running around tackling people. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> Okay, not, cool. Now I'm a big softie. I have two little daughters. Like, hey, did, you guys, did you actually hit people and tag yeah, people? You're I'm a like, girl yeah. dad. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but they had the football. I had to like, you had to. Them. <laughs> he it to touch.
0: I'm sorry. My mind goes lots of different directions. So I, know, I just, I, I had to ask. So that's very cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I want to talk about you go from living in the U S to living abroad for 17 months. I just never know where these conversations are going. That's why it's so much fun. Yeah. So, um, So I did a lot of traveling for work. I never spent months, but I've spent weeks other places. And for me, it kind of takes, I don't know, it's probably different when you live there months, but at some point you, you, you probably switched from kind of having a mindset of us-based to more, to kind of South America-based was that weeks, months. What, what was yeah.
1: that like? Yeah, I mean, it took it took months. Uh, our, our daughters, it, when you have when you have kids, enrolling them in school, like we, we, oh, enrolled yeah. them in, we enrolled them in local schools. And so my wife oh, is right. much more fluent in Spanish than I am. I'm pretty good. I can get by, I'm proficient. Um, but she went around to, for three or four weeks just looking for a, a school and we enrolled them in local private schools. And wow. that was important to us just because- And how uh, old were they, you know, sorry, at the time? Uh, they were f- uh, three and five at the time. All right, so so wow. Yeah. Yeah, they're okay. now eight, eight and ten. So they've they're. So they, for,
0: the yeah. five-year-old probably
1: remembers it probably yeah yeah they, okay. both, they both remember it oh they okay. actually they, they got really good they've lost some of their spanish since then but at the time i think it took us a few months everybody just to get adjusted yeah. and get settled in and the kids you know kids didn't know any spanish they had like seven or ten words of yeah. spanish <laughs> so we're, we're just like here's the deep end of the pool we're gonna yeah, throw you in jump. there. And, <laughs> yeah, and i guess that's just our family style we just like parachute in and figure it out yeah. when we get there and the girls were like i guess my parents are crazy i just gotta <laughs> like, figure this thing out and, that is um, awesome but yeah, I think it, you know, it, for us, tra- you know, some people like travel, some people don't, some people go for a few weeks, but to us, the, the metaphor of travel, of yeah. you get you get outside your comfort zone, get immersed, you, you, yeah. you get immersed, you, you learn that, hey, you know, even these things we take for granted today, these little simple things are a little different in another place. So there's some differences, but then on the other side of that, there's this common humanity that is, is right. amazing. We start learning that, you know what, people also have, you know, families there and people have common needs and com- common wants. And um, so there's, there's just those are some beautiful things about uh particularly you know, we yeah. went to e- ecuador really enjoyed meeting people yeah. there and uh, but then also just looking back from a business standpoint i didn't buy any real estate there but it was kind of interesting just to look at some of the financial system differences mm-hmm. and, and we could talk about that too but it's, it gets it's interesting to think about currencies and things that are going right on right now just when you can, when you can leave another country you take there's some of the some of the water we're swimming in financially in the United States is some unique water. Yes. And it's, it's not, we I don't, sometimes I don't think we appreciate the financial system, the credit system, the things we have that are a little different than other other. Yeah. Places. I don't, I
0: don't know Ecuador, but I have a buddy who invests some some money in Colombia. right? Mm-hmm. We've, we've traveled yeah. to Medellin, Colombia. Yep. And uh, he bought a, he bought, I think he has two condos there, maybe three now, but you got to pay cash. There is no, right. there is no, mortgage right it's yeah, like, it might be like a
1: five-year mortgage and you put 50 percent down you know, yeah it's, it's, and, it's, it's, and that's it's, for it's, it's locals right to, you got to be yeah, a local and right. if
0: you're if you're an yeah. expat or coming from abroad it's it's yeah. cash on the barrel and you're done mm-hmm. right so there's a lot of that there um you have a state you have a saying behind you i thought we should talk about right do what matters yeah what, is, what does that mean to you
1: yeah it, it means it's what i mentioned earlier that you know real estate is the tool money is the tool, life is the goal. Like, what, what, what do you want to do with your life? And so it, for me, like I, I started interviewing people. I have a, a newsletter and a blog and I've always asked people, I said, what what are you investing for? Like, what's what's your why? Mm-hmm. And I get all sorts of, of answers. You, know, you get people want to go part-time at their job. They want to switch careers. They want to travel with their family. Maybe they want to take care of their elderly parents who, who need help. Maybe they want to start a local cause. Maybe they want to get online and teach and do these mm-hmm. kind of things. It's just, but all of these answers are, what matters to them is the is the is that the, the answer to that question. If you said, "If money were no object, right. what would you what would you do with your time? What, how would you invest that most precious resource?" And that, to me, is like the metaphor. You know, do what matters means let's let's prioritize that. Let's build wealth so that you can spend more time doing that, and let's not wait until you're you know 80 years old to do that. Let's like do that when you're 40, 50, 30, 60. You know, whatever the case for you might be, mm-hmm. because time is precious. Let's do it. Like we 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 yeah. can go. We can get on these these rat wheels sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes it's for all of us are a little bit different. Sometimes we're spending a lot of money on things that really aren't making us happy. So maybe we dial that back a little bit. Maybe it's just, we haven't invested our money as wisely. Let's find some good solid, you know, those four properties that we talked about. Um, But in all of the how that I try to teach kind of comes back to that that why so that's why i try to remind just remind people that i'm trying to do that let's try to do that together and yeah it might be a, a good compass that for us
0: yeah so let's talk about you know because we're both trying to help those new folks you know single family homes fourplexes whatever is residential not you don't have to do thousand unit apartments and syndicate to, to get ahead when you look at the market today and you have new new folks reach out what, do you, what are you trying to what, what kind of messages are you are you giving your your students and followers
1: I think the number one strategy, if you just look like kind of the meta strategy, investment wise, ha- hasn't changed in some respects. It's if if you look at the when you're buying one one rental property, if you can lock in a three percent interest rate <laughs> for for thirty years, and if you can buy a property that makes a six percent yield, if it was unleveraged, yeah, if you if you get a spread between three percent and six percent, and you can afford to hold that property for a long period yeah. of time, and it's in a good location, like that's a that's a winning recipe. Like yeah. if you just give it if you give it enough time that spread between 3% and 6% or 4% and 7%. Like that's, that is what makes us super wealthy in real estate. And you can add all the tax benefits. You can yeah. add the appreciation, which does appreciation helps. You know, I'm, I'm not going to lie about that. That's going to be that's a, a boost to your returns. But if mm-hmm. you can just buy properties that do that um, and keep that metric in mind, then you're yeah. going to do pretty well.
0: Time in the market is better yeah. than time in the market.
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think people should be buying. I don't, I don't think, I don't think you'll end up buying as much right now as you will, mm-hmm. whoever, whenever in the future, you know, if things change, but mm-hmm. I think, it, I think it would be a mistake to get out of the market and oh. stop, stop looking right now. You need to be looking, you need to be buying yeah. and finding stuff. Yeah.
0: One of the things that I did, cause again, I, I'm, I'm a study of economic cycles as I went back and studied the last 50 years. So 1970 to 2020, and it's actually really interesting we've had 40 years of declining rates and there was actually a decade which most people won't realize but from 1970 to 79 interest rates went up 320 basis points or 33 percent right they were eight something and then they were 11 something at the end of the decade right that hasn't happened for 40 years i think it's going to happen this decade so rates Mm -hmm. are low at the beginning they will be higher at the end how high don't know higher so when you go back to 1970, and then you look at 79, the winners were anybody who bought real estate in 70 or 71, uh, because rents doubled, property values doubled, because incomes nearly doubled. Right. I think in, we're in a wage cycle and inflation is coming. And again, what I talk about is no alligators So make sure it cash flows day one with leverage. And then just hold on because uh, you're going to have fixed payments in an inflationary environment and you can't beat inflation, but you can use it. And uh, this is the decade I think you get to use inflation.
1: Yeah. I mean, and again, I don't, I don't not, I think that sounds very plausible to me. And I I think we have to play like all the different scenarios, but to me, the most likely scenario is, is some kind of inflation and and, and, and real estate is just a beautiful, real estate with long-term leverage is-, is the Fixed best, rate, long-term <laughs> fixed, fixed rate. I mean, that, that's, that's what I go back to. So people say, what, what's the recipe today? That, yeah. Especially when you're in, in a growing phase. Now, I, I will, I will right. say where I am, I'll be happy to talk about what, I, what yeah, I'm doing right let's now. Do it. So, so like people who are growing and they don't, they, if, you, if you look at your portfolio and you say, I have $500,000 of net worth and I need to get to a million or a million and a half, that's your recipe. Like that's right. what you want to do. If you're on the other side of that, though, and I find myself on the other side of that, where i you know, I'm not. I wouldn't mind growing some more, but to me, it's it's more risk. I'm more risk averse because I don't want anything I've done to go away. Right. Um, because I have enough, and and yeah. so for, for me, I'm actually paying debt off. Like my business yep. partner and I are saying, I don't care if it's four percent. I don't care if it's six percent. We are we're selling a few properties. We're using income that we make from excess money. Mm-hmm. He's got another business. I've got another business. So right. we're we're using excess money. To pay, to pay debt down off, debt. Yeah. To pay debt because we don't, because it's just not interesting for us to get an extra property or two or an extra little bit of wealth when it's, it's there already.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. That's actually one thing I'm doing a little bit different. Well, actually, kind of I did and then doing different. So, uh, it, but you're very right. When you get to the other side of enough, I call it that vista on the mountains. We yeah. did the same thing, right? We, you know, when we were growing, we both had W2s. Uh, we were, I don't know, 70 ish LTV on everything. Okay. You get really close to the end, you go, I remember 2008. I'm going to pay some of these off. I'm going to lever these ones up, have this pile that's free and clear. Totally, totally get it. Um, What I did do just recently, just in full disclosure, my channel will know this is I took a couple of uh, uh, apartments in a commercial building that I own free and clear. Mm -hmm. And I went ahead and got four, four and 5% money, 30 year fix. I, I will only do 30. I do not want any debt with a five-year adjustable or seven-year yeah. no 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 i want fixed rate even i did 4.99 i'll take it 30 yeah. year fixed i'm good so yeah. Uh, yeah we did we did raise a little bit of capital because i actually think uh, i'm going to repeat something i did in 2010 11 is i'm i'll be able to buy some apartments mm-hmm. in years from now when they blow up because the ltv will or the the interest rate will go up which means the cap rate will go up which means right. the refi is broken and I'll be standing there with cash, with thirty-year money on it. So yeah, yeah, um, that's well, one I mean, thing I see out there.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think everybody makes their own choices. Sure. In like two thousand sixteen, we made a very similar choice where we're like, okay, we got a big chunk of cash. Can we pay this thing off, or could we refinance it and just pull that cash out? And we mm-hmm. did exactly what you're doing. And yeah, so I just I just think it's a. I guess I'm just pointing that out because no, it's true. It's awesome. every, everybody's got to think about where they are in the cycle, and many many of us are still growing and. And there's all there's going to be opportunities in the next five years. So you just have to decide like what's what's your game and what what's, yeah. what's your strategy and those are those are two different approaches, kind of for different time periods.
0: Well, very cool. Let's talk about your book. Somebody hasn't read your book yet. What are they going to find in it? Then get it on Amazon. I think it was published by Bigger Pockets, if I'm not mistaken. It
1: was. Yeah. So it was. To me, when I first wrote this book, it's called Build, it's the Retire Early with Real Estate. And it's, it's sort of the standing between the financial independence, retire early movement, the fire mm. movement, Mr. Money Mustache, Choose to yeah. Buy, the, the, yeah. the, bigger, the bigger pockets world. So I, the, the thing I loved about um, bigger pockets is, is just this idea that you can have a blueprint to build wealth, use real estate to do it, and use your mountain metaphor. I used the mountain metaphor as well. That oh, nice. The, the, the idea of the book was here, here are several different paths up the mountain. You wanna get a financial independence where your income pays for your expenses. Here are different ways to do it. And so I I talked about strategies like, uh, using the Burr strategy, which is a, you know, pretty popular these days. Yeah, but David also, Green's book. Yeah, yeah. So talked about that. How do you apply that? But also talked about house hacking and some of the mm. strategies to get awesome. started. How do you how do you get that first deal? And so that's kind of the bottom of the mountain. But then as you get up the mountain and you start trying to you know grow that portfolio, I talked about strategies like doing 1031 exchanges. Yep. Talked about strategies like uh, using a debt snowball, which I oh, you know, yeah. talked about getting out of debt. So yeah. then you get to the, you get to the top of the mountain, and something that's not always talked about a lot is like what's it. How do you have backup plans to uh, this original strategy you have? So maybe having you know, second businesses or side hustles or savings accounts or retirement yeah. accounts. And so it's sort of it's a comprehensive look. That's at, awesome. You want to retire early. Here's a blueprint to do it. And then I have 25 stories that I interviewed other people who are either on some, some time scale of retiring early with real estate. What, what did their portfolio look like? How many properties do they have? How much income do they make? And yeah. so it's, it's sort of it's a how-to guide to that financial independence journey.
0: Very cool. And if somebody watching this from my channel wants to reach out, wants to follow you more, where, where do you send? Do you send them to Instagram,
1: website? Where do you want them to go? Yeah, you go to coachcarson.com. I uh, you know, Like you, I'm pretty active online. I have a podcast every Monday. So the Real Estate Financial Independence Podcast, you're welcome to join me there. And then everything I do, I put on this video or audio is on YouTube too. So I have a oh, YouTube cool. channel at Uh, To search Coach Carson, and if you find me there, I I respond to comments a lot, and I'm also on Instagram. So yeah, free to connect with me on any. That's how I found you. Instagram. Yeah, you as well. You're doing great stuff. I like like all your your content and value your breeding. So well well done,
0: Coach Carson. Guys,
1: go ahead and give him a follow. Check out his book. It is on
0: Amazon. Uh, It is one of the books behind my sign there. Uh, Mm -hmm. I read it. I I want to say it must have come out 18 because I think I read it in 2019.
1: Yep, great. Yeah. I, I've got your book as well. So thank you oh, for very cool. Send, for send it my way and I'm I'm gonna I'll do a review of it and share it oh, dude, I appreciate well time. So thank All you right. a lot.
0: Thank you very much, Chad. Enjoy yourself again. Go check them out, Coach Carson, Instagram, website, um, YouTube channel. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Michael. Nice mm-hmm. talking to you. <sighs> Thanks.